The following podcast may contain explicit language. You're listening to the CNE TV podcast presented by CNE Creative, a program for aspiring filmmakers and TV professionals talking to the people that make it happen. Hello and welcome to the CNE TV podcast. Today we are talking to the one and only Rachel Seeger. I hope I pronounced that right. Yep, that's right. <laughs> uh, she's a AC, second AC here in the f- film scene uh, here in Melbourne. Um, but welcome to the podcast, Rachel. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. No worries. So um, do you want to tell us a bit about yourself and what you do in the film and TV industry? Yeah, so uh, I am a second AC uh, in Melbourne. I did start first out in uh, Queensland and then I moved down to Melbourne just due to uh, I felt there was more opportunities and um, uh, I've worked with, you know, quite an extensive uh, amount of first ACs who I assist for and um, I've done a bit of VTR work as well, which... Uh, you know, requires a certain application to uh, get the playback from the cameras, but there's also live comping and editing that you can do as well. So um, it's really good to be quite versatile, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, What's the favorite thing that you do? Like, do you prefer VTR or do you prefer ACing? Like, I I do prefer second ACing. Uh, VTR is still a really nice challenge. It's still something quite new to me so I'm still trying to understand it all it's just nice to have a bit of extra skill under your belt Uh, especially when being a second AC you've always got a video split operator below you in a small camera team and uh, understanding the wireless transmission and what programs you're using even if it's just like a simple recording device like a PIX E7 or PIX240 or Odyssey, Uh, it's just nice to have the knowledge in case the video split operator doesn't and, you know, you're passing down knowledge and you're helping out your teammates. So Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, So what what would you say that the majority of your work is? So is it like TVCs, features, shorts? um... My my main... uh, my main line of work is dramas. Uh, recently, I have been doing more TV commercials, um, just changing it up, I guess. But that doesn't mean that I'm definitely saying no to dramas. I think, uh, you know, I do have some small problems with my uh, body and muscles. So not being on a, you know, a three-month or six-month drama helps ease the load off my body. So there are like, you know, personal reasons why I'm in TV commercials right now, but uh, working on them and making sure they ma- they're maintained will help me be able to endure uh, when I'm on dramas next. But who knows when that will be? <laughs> yeah. I know with everything that's going on with COVID, um, it's yeah. left our industry in like a pretty uncertain state, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. How are you dealing with all the the COVID stuff? Uh, Look, because we're in the film industry, we always have to expect the unexpected. And every job I get, I always uh, plan for, uh, you know, months of having no work. So financially, I'm okay. 
obviously not like the best, but enough to be like, I can survive for a little while. Um, and you know, I just kind of roll with the punches. Like, yeah, it sucks, but there's not much I can literally do to, you know, uh, make it come back. So just being versatile, like before I was in the film industry, I was a debt collector for Telstra in the call centers. So I have experience, uh, in that area. So if I, you know, worst case scenario comes, I can always, uh, fit back into that slot if I really wanted to, but it's not like I really want to, but you know, we've, we've all got to, you know, make sacrifices. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Um, yeah, it's been pretty crazy. Like, I feel like with everything that's happened with COVID, I'm wondering if, like, how fast the industry will ba- bounce back. Like, if ours will mm. be the last to sort of get back on its feet and get productions r- running again. Yeah, um, I'm. I'm hoping that at least with the TV commercial side of things, uh, because I have an agency, freelancers promotions in Victoria, which they're just absolutely fantastic. The freelancers promotions girls, they're you know, very supportive of everyone uh, and they're just, they're like the glue in in Victoria and they're letting us know, keeping us up to date with what's happening. They were saying, you know, before all this, there was so much work uh, that was coming our way, but obviously everything's being put on hold. And I think at least for TV commercials, because after Easter, uh, you know, what else are they going to have fresh on the TV, which, you know, people watch probably daily now because we're stuck inside. So um, I know there's a few production companies that are still up and running but are putting uh, certain rules in place and policies in place to maintain distance and stuff like that. I think maybe they're taking a slower pace. I really don't know. But, um, I yeah, I think that there's there's still stuff coming. I think it's just... It's going to take a little while, I think, for more of the dramas to come up and maybe more of the live uh, entertainment. I think commercials and maybe corporate videos will be all right. Yeah. But, yeah, they're still yeah. running. Um, I did a, did one last week for a health agency um, and as like a, it was supposed to be um, a presentation in front of um, – a lot of people, uh, but they ended up just doing a like turn shot and live streaming it. So <laughs> it's it's how we're having to change and like people companies like Zoom and even even like Skype and that have been you know going gangbusters because we're having to adapt to like work meetings and um, how we distribute content. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Yeah, I, um, I heard that um, visual effects artists are you know. They're just, um, you know, got a mountain of work now because everything's trying to go into animation because it's very easy right now to do that. So there's at least some side of uh, the film industry that's kind of uh, still supporting us a bit, but, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so c- could I ask you a quick question about, you know, where it all began, where you started? So you, obviously you mentioned you started in Queensland mm-hmm. um, and then moved down to Melbourne for more opportunities. Um how did you get started? Uh, so I started off studying a diploma of screen and media with a small independent company called Cupix, which is now unfortunately shut. Uh, so I didn't actually go to a TAFE or uh, 
to university, I did a 10th, a 10 month course, uh, which was fantastic. It was very hands-on. And as soon as I uh, was close to graduating there, I had met some, I guess, alumni from uh, QPix and they were needing extra hands for their uh, small feature film that they were doing. And I was like, for sure, like, this is fantastic. And I actually didn't start out in camera. I um, I was asked to, to help with art department in their feature film, but then because there was so little people, so little crew on that set, they needed more people in camera. And I was like, sure, I'm happy to help out. So I helped out with camera on that little shoot and uh, some of those people were like writers for Nickelodeon and they'd already had uh, written and directed some horror films in in Australia. And um, pretty much in between that time, I was kind of editing and helping out uh, Cutting Edge in Brisbane with the media ops room that they have there. And I really wanted to become an offline editor there, but it was just, it was quite uh, quite a hard thing to do to kind of get my foot in the door into Cutting Edge. Um, and eventually I was umming and ahhing if I wanted to stay in editing or if I wanted to go into camera. And... I think from seeing uh, a lot of the footage that you see in a, production, a post-production house, you, you see all these like fantastic kind of uh, experiences that happen on set. And I was like, oh, I think I like to be more hands-on and not, you know, sitting in a dark room all day long. <laughs> so I was just like, woo, camera, let's do this. And um, uh, one of the guys that was on that uh, small feature film that I was helping out on he was uh studying at afters to become a producer and I asked him if he needed help with anything uh that was coming up uh in camera and he said look we're doing like this uh two episode uh deferred pay uh tv show called yesterday's history and we're hoping to sell it to Foxtel and make it a, you know, for the 100 years of Anzac Day. And, oh, wow. uh, yeah, so I was just like, oh, cool, um, that sounds fantastic. Uh, I got uh, in touch with the director because the director was kind of the one funding it as well. Uh, and he, he grabbed my uh, CV and gave it to the camera department camera department was like have you ever used a red camera before and I was like look I've yeah so I was just like okay obviously like they want me to know they want to know sorry if uh if I know the ins and outs of it and I like sort of had but not extensively and I thought oh I might be like a second AC or like video split off whatever they're just like cool we're gonna make you B camera operator and I was like what (laughs) wow that's a big step up from you know (laughs) wow yeah, it was it was quite interesting. I, I did not expect that. And um, pretty much the camera department was, uh, you know, kids my age between like 18 to, to 22. So we were a very young uh, team and everyone around us on set were like professional, uh, you know, uh, film crew from the grips to the first AD. Uh, it was insane. And it was my first kind of taste 
of a proper film set, how it's run, as well as, um, you know, just making sure everything was like on time and then understanding how everyone worked as a team. And um, from then on, the first AD recommended myself to uh, an actual budgeted feature film uh, called Red Billabong. And he said to the DP, Andy Conda, who was the first man I ever worked for, um, I got interviewed by Andy Conda to be uh, the video split operator and Andy was just saying to me, look, I can't give you B camera operator because I've already got a guy for that. I'm like, no, 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 that's fine. Like I'm (laughs) like this tiny fish in this big pond. Like, please give me any job and I'd be happy to take it. And I guess like the rest is history. Like it just kind of snowballed from then onwards. Like it's gotten me to where I am today. So I, I owe Andy, uh, Andy Condor a big thank you for giving me the opportunity. And I guess he saw something in me to, to, uh, to take on that job. And yeah, I'm where I am today. So yay. How important do you think um, having a mentor slash like advocate would you say um, is in our industry in terms of finding that someone to mentor you through and give you advice uh, for young people starting out? I I highly recommend it. I think you know the the veterans in this industry they've seen the really good times and the really bad times. So to to see how they've kind of uh, attacked the problem or uh, you know just survived. I think it's just uh, from their experience, you can understand uh, where you can kind of fit in and and take your own stride, you know, take a bit of their advice but also uh, find your own as well. Because I think if you're just, you know, going in there blind, I mean, there's obviously so much thing, so many things that you can find on the internet these days that can help, you know, research about certain roles and stuff. But being on set and seeing how a DP lights a certain scene and how he talks to other departments you start to kind of understand how it all works and how everyone respects one another or if there is no respect you kind of see how it plays out and you go well that's not a good idea or that's a good idea (laughs) um speaking of dps Mm -hmm. so um is that your end goal for your career or is like so where do you want to see yourself well i i actually wanted to become a, a steady cam operator. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I have a friend who's got two different steady cam rigs. Yeah. Uh, and every now and then I'll go over to his warehouse where he's building this really beautiful uh, like camera rental house, but it's also got like a recording studio there. It's got um, a cinema in there as Whoa. well as editing suites. So He's gone all out, but um, I would say he's probably uh, a little bit annoyed at what's happening in the world right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I go over to his warehouse to practice, uh, you know, just Steadicam movements as well as just understanding the rig. And I've been talking to Steadicam operators and seeing what their, you know, two cents are. Yeah, wow. Are you a lefty operator or a right? Uh, I stick, I stick with right. Even though I'm a left-handed, I, I stick to the right. I'm, I just kind of go with what's already there. I guess I'm, I'm quite uh, 
ambidextrous, I guess. Yeah, cool. So huh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you talked a bit about doing um, debt collecting at Telstra. Um, mm-hmm. So how how long were you doing that before you moved? Like you s- sort of wanted to make that jump. Uh, I was with Telstra for just over a year, and uh, we got told that we were going to be shut down, and everything in our department was going to be moved over to Manila. So, uh, pretty much got made redundant. <laughs> and at the time, uh, my partner Aaron, he. He suggested, look, you're so passionate about films. You always talk about them. You always want to understand them. Why don't you study uh, study film and see if you can make a career of it? And I was like, oh, oh I don't know. Like, can you actually make a career <laughs> out of it? <laughs> Obviously, I did some uh, searching and I was just like, oh, actually, yeah, no, let's, uh, let's give this a try. Like, why not? You've only got one life and yeah. it's something that I'm very passionate about. So... Let's uh, let's go all in and see where this kind of journey takes me. And uh, I haven't looked back since. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, and that was yeah, five five years ago now. Yeah, wow. I find like those stories really inspiring, especially for us younger people, because we we you know we're often either studying and having to supplement our income with a retail job or um, mm. a hospital job or something like that. And to hear that you know people you know can make it from other industries is really yeah really inspiring yeah definitely and and because i was made redundant i had a redundancy package so i didn't really have to work while i was studying. <laughs> <laughs> so it's actually really good i was just fully uh immersed in just uh the studies and trying to make everything possible yeah yeah so with in terms of your studies what do you think was Mm -hmm. the most beneficial part of it was it the connections that you made was it the content that you actually learned from your lecturers um because from from my experience at i'm currently doing a third year at deegan Mm -hmm. um and i'm finding that the connections that i've made through the programs that they've run with external crews and uh, internship opportunities has been more beneficial than what i've actually learned um, mm. because obviously like you meet people like Matt Dobson and, um, Kitty and all those people like, and you learn more on the job than, you know, in a classroom I've found, but. Mm, definitely. Uh, for me in my studies, because it was so short and, uh, we weren't a university like what you have, our connections weren't, uh, we didn't really have many people come in to talk to us about you know, lighting or sound or camera, like we, I had to make all the connections myself. So I had to kind of go above and beyond uh, in doing that side of things. Me personally, uh, hands-on experience and just the theory side of things was the most beneficial for me uh, with what I was given. I think when it comes to universities and bringing people in like Matt Dobson or Kitty, um, you know, that's really beneficial. I reckon connections are definitely helpful. And just doing the, you know, ACS, second AC workshop course, that really helps you guys out uh, with getting the connections and talking firsthand to people who are in the industry. Because yeah, I had, I had none of that. I had to start from scratch and 
figure out how I was going to get in contact with those people. Yeah. Uh, just to backtrack onto the ACS thing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. For our audience out there, that's how I've actually met Rachel. And that mm-hmm. course was <laughs> hands down like the best thing I've done for my career um, at this point in time. Like it, it was so amazing to be able to talk to people like Rachel, like Cam, like all the, you know, and just ask some point blank questions and get on the gear and go into the, all the rental houses and learn the process of, you know, building in the cameras, you know, making wet weather, the covers and all that stuff. Like it's just something that you don't get anywhere else and it makes your yeah, industry ready. Not. Like you can jump on a, a set and, you know, you'd, you'd have some sort of idea of <laughs> how things run. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Like, um, in Queensland, like that course, there's there's no course like that. It's only in Victoria out of all the states of Australia. It's uh, when I first heard about it, I was just like, this is fantastic. Yeah. Like for, <laughs> for me, I, I had to learn from scratch. I had like no idea. <laughs> I had to learn on the job and, um, you know, everyone is, is very similar with how they do things, but there are some extra tips and tricks that certain people have. And uh, in the ACS course, it really hones in on all every single uh, tips and tricks that everyone has kind of collected on and uh, made a standard. So anyone to to do that course is like highly highly recommend it because it just gives you such a vast knowledge of what you know took me a couple of years to fully get uh, within routine for myself, and you're learning it in two weeks. Yeah. So. Like, yeah, nine days of intense, like, you cover everything from slating to data wrangling to um, video split operating to building all these kits and getting you familiar with the RF platforms, with the Reds, the Canons. It's, yeah, it is absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, and data wrangling is just so important. Yeah. It's so bloody important. And I, I know some uh, productions will be like, oh, we'll do the data wrangling. And it's just like, no, 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 no. no, no. no. Yeah. This is actually really important. Like if something goes wrong, like you've you're gonna waste a day of shooting. So uh yeah, this covers everything. It's fantastic. Um I didn't realise how like the the amount of um information you need to be a, an efficient data angle, like knowing all the, the hard drive speeds, your hardware, mm-hmm. your software that you're using, like it's just so the it's like a whole nother layer. If you can learn how to data wrangle efficiently and um, safely, it is such a great mm. tool to have in your toolkit to be able to say, oh, and also chuck in a higher costs as well. Yeah. If you've got your own exactly. kit, like it's, it's an amazing skill to have. Yeah. As well as um, transcoding because oh, yeah. nowadays so many TV commercials are, are requesting us to do transcoding. And I guess because of the mini LF coming out and yeah. the uh, the size of those cards the and cortex. Uh, the, the cortex, yeah. <laughs> cortex, yeah. Um, it's just insanely huge. So you have to kind of uh, transcode them. Uh, I mean, not every single commercial that has the mini LF on it request it, but it seems to be uh, happening more and more yeah. and just not letting the uh, or not having the post-production uh, do it. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, because so I think it's be just stuck. more of a time thing. I don't know. Yeah, because it's like one terabyte, two terabyte cards now that they issued on. It's just, it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, yeah. Jeez. Um, so, how sidetracking here? Um, how do you think the industry has changed from when you started to what it is currently today? Obviously without COVID because <laughs> that's a bit of an outlier. But Yeah. Um, well, first of all, the, the one thing I definitely noticed was uh, wireless transmission. I yep. remember I was the first job that I did on Red Billabong as video split operator. I had to just run cables everywhere and I had to be really good at it. And uh, funnily enough, my course that I did didn't really teach me uh, – much about wrangling cables so I had to learn on the job and I had to learn fast yeah. uh, so I got thrown in the deep end but uh, you know I I was able to swim and uh, float and just keep rolling with the punches but um, I remember there was a few shots in there where we had to use wireless because we were using Steadicam and I was just like what is this <laughs> this is amazing and um, I guess Obviously, nowadays, you know, wireless is just everywhere and it's just mainly what we use. Um, and obviously understanding the difference uh, in the frequencies yep. and, you know, having wireless uh, wireless remote focus has uh, just become more and more a thing. Yep. And then you're having all these different kind of frequencies kind of crisscrossing and, I've, you know, you deal with, that new issue of like uh, reception yeah. issues and just having too many uh, receivers in line will like, you know, block each other's signals and yep. just understanding that side of things. But as for uh, our industry in Australia, I definitely think it's grown. Um, before I came into the scene, the guys up in Queensland were saying how quiet it got after 2003, I think after yep. scooby-doo came to yep. uh after that wrapped in queensland they were just saying it was dead quiet there was nothing and then uh slowly bit by bit things started to come and i remember when i left queensland uh that's when like more and more things came to queensland and i was just like god damn it <laughs> like i just left queensland to go to another state for more work and then it just, yeah, kind of exploded a bit in Queensland. It's still going quite strong. Yeah. But um, I guess uh, from what I've seen of it, the the pace has definitely picked up. Yeah. But I, I feel like I'm still so young to the industry. I'm only – it's only been five years where, you know, people who've been in it for 10 to, you know, 30 years, I think they have a good idea of how – how much it's changed yeah. and I think because we are looking uh, we're quite appealing to the American industry we're getting more uh, work from them as well yeah yeah there's a lot more tax benefits and it's cheaper to run productions out here and with the new soundstage that they're building in Docklands hopefully that attracts some more work um, yeah um, so following on from that last question would you say, like, how have you, has there been a lot of, um, I wouldn't say discrimination, but like, has it been a lot, like, uh, has there been hardship in navigating the industry as a female in, especially the camera, camera department? Um, 
have you experienced any of that? And if you have, like, what have you done to overcome it? Um, I I haven't really had anything terrible, uh, any kind of terrible discrimination. I because I kind of just came into camera department going like, woo, cameras, yeah. and like <laughs> we get to shoot things and like make it look pretty. Um, I it was never really a thing of me going, oh, there's, you know, it's a, it's a boys club in there, you know, yeah. it's something that I might struggle with. Like I never considered that because I just had the love and the passion to just understand everything. And um, I would always have people, other women uh, from different departments or producers go, oh, it's so good to see the girl in the camera department. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm the only female here. I actually didn't realize that um i i'm just here to work (laughs) and have fun (laughs) but um not not really like look obviously i am quite tiny and uh i think you know that's probably the one area for me personally that i might get discriminated in where if I'm lifting something heavy or pushing a trolley, there'll be a lot of people that say, oh, hey, let me help you. Like, oh, I can lift that. And, you know, like, let me take that for you. Um, but I think at the start I was, it felt like I was being insulted because they were doing that. But then after a while I understood that, look, we're all a team, you know, we're all just trying to get to the same end goal. And I was just like, sure, take the trolley. Yeah. I'm okay. Do you take the weight? <laughs> Yeah. I'm fine by that. But um apart from that, um I haven't really like I there's been maybe one or two cases on a on a drama where it has definitely felt like a boys club and I've definitely been on the outside, but uh you know, for someone like me, I just see it as look, it's not a job that's going to be forever. It's a few weeks. It's something where you just are understanding everyone's personality and the psychology of everyone. So just, I think, understanding that side of things when you're working with someone for 50 hours or more in a week, uh, understanding the people that you're working with is the most beneficial that can come out of those situations when you feel discriminated. Yep, yep. And... uh, I try not to take anything to heart unless it is something like quite personal that they may have mentioned or something. But yep. um, I do remember I did have a small uh, incident that happened on a film set where uh, someone from another department did smack me on my ass. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. that's and not I, cool. No. Um, and look, he, like, in all of it, he was like, uh, a lovely person and whatnot but like it was just it came out of nowhere and I was quite surprised and it was my second year into doing the second AC work and being in the film industry yeah and because he was in a higher level role than I was I was unsure of what to do and obviously this was many years ago so yeah I was a lot younger a lot more naive and I didn't really know how to go around it. Yeah. I think nowadays I would have approached it very differently. But um, I remember I I just at that point in time, I didn't really do anything. I kind of was just like, oh, okay. Um, that was weird, but 
uh, I don't know like if I should mention it or not. Um, there, there wasn't really any kind of step-by-step process at that time that I was aware of, of how to handle it. Yeah. But, um, fortunately for me, uh, at the start of last year, I bumped into this person again on another film set and it had kind of been bugging me at least just to let that person know how I felt about that situation. Yeah. So I, for me personally, I decided to go to them directly and say, Hey, look, a few years ago, X, Y, Z happened. And it just made me feel a little bit uneasy about being around you. And they apologized profusely. They were just like, I am so sorry. I didn't, it didn't mean to come across that way. Or, you know, I, I'm sorry that I made you feel that way. Um, you know, I'll, I'll make sure that I, I won't do it again or consider what I'm doing before doing it kind of thing. So for me, I personally would prefer to like go to the person and confront the situation or talk it out to see if it can be resolved that way before getting anyone else involved because, I don't know, I feel like that's the best protocol and obviously if it doesn't work out that way, then that's when I would probably take the next step. But, um, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's yeah, like you like you mentioned before. Like, um, you don't often see, which is really sad. Like, there should like during the ACS course, it was really cool because there was an equal male female ratio, and yeah, it was really cool to like and to even to have a lot of female ACs and DOPs and stuff come in and talk to us. So, um. You know, if I, especially like, I feel like if I was a, a woman in the industry, like I'd want to see, you know, it's easy for us guys to see, you know, um, uh, all our DOPs and all that stuff winning awards and that, that are male, there's no, um, there's not a lot of female representation, but um, yeah. Um, in terms yeah. of what you mentioned about teamwork, mm-hmm. how important is that on a film set? <laughs> Oh man, 100%. 100% need teamwork. I mean, I think at the end of the day, like when there is like a good team uh, kind of morale, like you want to give your extra 10% to whoever you're working with. If I feel like if you don't have good teamwork or a good uh, kind of camera team, it's it makes it harder for me personally to like, you know, get things uh, running smoothly or having a good rhythm in place. Like it's just so important. Like we're, we're all in this together. We're, we're all trying to achieve the same thing here. We all, you know, don't want to do overtime. So <laughs> let's, uh, let's work together and get through this. Yeah. Yeah. I've found that it's like, like you mentioned, like it's so imperative to like, if you, if you're in a, you've got a bad sort of vibe around the set, it, it goes for a lot longer and everyone's more uptight and it just, yeah, like, like you say, producers are pushing for no overtime. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like I've, I've had, um, you know, some really nice DPs that do love good teamwork. And uh, even when there's stressful times, like they've snapped here and there, but as soon as that kind of tension has been uh, settled, and everyone's kind of back on track they eventually like will come over and be like look I'm sorry for like snapping at you before it was just like you know we really needed to get this done and like just someone going out of their way to apologize for you know 
being tense and snapping or anything like that. It's like, I appreciate that. It's like, you're considerate, you're, you know, making it be aware that you lost maybe your temper and you want to keep the rapport uh, and the morale high in the camera department. And I think that's really important. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it can make or break a production. I reckon like if you've got people that clash heads or yeah, it just doesn't make it pleasant and it makes things slower. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard stories of, uh, certain, uh, people <laughs> breaking out into fights and you're like, what? That's, what? that's actually happened. It's never ha- I've never seen it. Yeah. But I've heard stories. I think it's more, uh, you know, maybe that happened in like the early 2000s or 90s. I, I really don't know, but like I, I haven't seen a fight happen on set. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And hopefully I never do. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I just wanted to f- finish with a couple last quick questions about um, any advice for young people uh, wanting to enter who are either considering it or are, you know, like juniors uh, wanting to enter into the industry um, would you recommend trying to get into an attachment or, um, yeah, what would you, what sort of pathway would you recommend? Look, I reckon, uh, being a camera attachment is a really good idea because you are getting hands-on experience and you're working with people who, you know, know all the tricks of the trades pretty much. Um, it's something where, initiation uh being initiative is really important as well as you know looking online and figuring out what's actually happening in your state and getting a a a good kind of picture of what's happening who's who and um maybe even talking to them and getting an idea of how you could slot into the industry because obviously it is a little bit um like clicky and people do have certain people that they rely on and constantly work with. So to, to get in there and break through, it can be just that little bit trickier than normal. So being initiative is really important because like me personally, I called a lot of the first ACs to just try and get my foot in the door. And I did the same when I moved down to Victoria, I called before I went, I called when I got down there and a few, uh, camera rental houses yep. as well as a few months after I got down there and you know because of this kind of uh, extra work that I did before knowing that I was going to get in uh, it paid off and I was you know I hit the ground running in in Victoria yeah and um, I think with that as well it's good to be open-minded about what other people suggest in uh how to do things because everyone has a different way of doing things it might be ever so slightly different but working with multiple different uh you know camera crews is a really good idea because if you limit yourself with just one person then you're only going to learn one way of doing something yeah 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 and yeah there's so many different ways you can do things or how certain people have a a system or rhythm yeah that's what i like just touching back onto the acs course like that's what i found so valuable Mm -hmm. is like because you know like at panavision we were doing wet weather covers and you know you had your way vanessa had another way cam had Mm -hmm. another way and they're all very similar (laughs) but like you know there's there's 
little things that you can take out from each and make your your own way. Um, exactly. Yeah, it's it's really interesting, and I think one thing that I've learnt in my short time, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and anything that I would say to people listening or um, who are looking to go into this industry is just you know be keen, have a great attention to detail, mm-hmm. and um, just listen. Like listen, listen, Definitely. absorb all the content that these people, like you know, um, people that you're yeah. working with are telling you. Um, yeah, even if you have to like write it down, I've seen someone yeah. like uh, come onto set with a notepad and just writing it down, and you're like, "That's fantastic!" Like if you can't remember it all, writing it down is just it's you know it's really beneficial and it kind of shows us that you're keen and you want to remember it. Yeah, definitely. Like I've been doing that with um, my iPad, taking photos of stuff, annotating it that Mm. night and just, you know, going through it in my head and reflecting on it. And so I lock it in and um, even just, I write down a question like why did Matt or in my head even like, why did Matt um, switch out the production map box to a, clip on clamp on for this lens mm. or you know just little things what what millimeter rails are those that he's chucking on there or how is he sliding yeah. off the re to put it onto a steady cam i don't know like little things but yeah. you know you don't ask them at the time because you know but it's busy and yeah. things they're all kind of needing to be done asap and it's funny because when that kind of happens on one film set on the next film set there might be a completely different reason why he's changing exactly. it exactly and then you can like you write that down those notes, but then you just ask them later, or <laughs> you do your own research. Yeah. yeah, there's like yeah, there's so many different ways of doing things, and you know what's kind of happening on the film set. And it's kind of it's fun because you learn so many different ways, and this I don't know, like it's forever changing. You're always learning something new, especially with all this new gear coming out, like the LF. Um, and all the new lenses that are coming with that and the expansion brackets for the, you know, um, old 35mm full-frame lenses, it's 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 always evolving, always evolving. Um, and it was really refreshing. Like my favorite thing, or I reckon my favorite thing about the ACS course was that we got to learn how to load 16 and 35mm film into mags. Oh, yeah. Like, as someone who's yes. like this young who never grew up on film or VCRs or any of that, or like I grew up on CDs and like iPods, <laughs> like <laughs> I didn't have yeah. film or all that stuff. It was amazing to go back and learn the methodology and why we call like cards mags and what roll numbers mm-hmm. are and all that stuff. Like it just really helps, helped click. It was really cool. Yes. Yeah. So you're lucky. Like I, I never got to touch film. I still yeah. haven't touched film. Like I'm just like, oh, I want to touch film. I want to load a camera. Yeah, but, um, it's amazing. I, I, I think I know camera equip still have uh, some yeah, that's potential where we went. spare film. Yeah. And I've been meaning to go down there and just, you know, one day be like, hey guys, I just want to come and like try and load uh, a mag into a camera. Do, do you have time for me to do that? Yeah, they definitely taught us like we, we're welcome to come down and um have a play around and learn and practice um, and that's like the best thing about camera rental houses is as long as you you know are super nice to the staff there and just say hey i just want to look around and see what you guys have and just understand what uh you know 
the standard kind of setup for uh, a camera is and yeah. they'd be like sure and it's like fantastic you don't have to go out and buy your own gear or anything like that you just waltz into the camera rental house yeah. and they were like sure here you go <laughs> yeah like and the thing that like even on like they're so nice there like at all, at all these they're just there to make your job easier to sa- they'll mm. save your ass on set and um 100 oh, yeah it's 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 really cool because because like you can't these cameras are like you can't go out and buy one like they're it like Panavision they're you can't buy Panavision stuff like you can't buy an R or you can but you're spending more than a car and almost a house like yeah <laughs> um but like the you're thing, selling your soul exactly when you buy that stuff and then the kit that makes it work and that um the thing that I found really helpful and I like people that are listening and wanting to move into the camera department is look at the um, online simulators. So they've got like Sony has one, Ari has one, and they, they, are, they just have the menu systems. But if you know how to, if someone says, oh, can you format this card or I need to change frame rates or whatever, you know how to do it. You don't have to, you're not going to be holding up people on set and it's a good thing to, you know, just get familiar with before if you haven't touched one of these cameras before. Yeah, no, I, I love that that is a thing because it helps you so, so much with that. Even if you're uh, going on to a, a TV commercial and they're like, we've got this camera, have you have you worked with these before? And you're like, no, I haven't, but uh, I believe that they have a simulator that I can check all the menu uh, screens and just get an idea of what's in there. And I think, I think uh, there's also like some kind of – film set studio simulator where you can like uh lay out a kind of a studio with certain lights and cameras yeah i've got it it's called cine tracer yes that's the one it is amazing (laughs) it's like you buy it off steam and it's like i think it was like 124 dollars or something but the amount of time you save like because you know obviously you make storyboards and that you do that in maya or like a a like a more I don't know, um, professional 3D workspace. But it's it's like so easy to make storyboards, add cameras, lights, props, actors. You can change the facial expressions now. They've did an update. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a really cool piece of software. Nice. Yeah. Technology. Well, I know it's it's evolving, it's evolving. Um, thank you very much for having a chat today with me, Rachel. Um, I certainly learned a lot and um I hope our audience did too. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I'll finish with one last question. Mm-hmm. Who is the one person that you dream of working with? Ooh. Oh, um, hmm. I, uh, oh, that's a tough one. I mean, I would have to say I would be, uh, I would be very curious to work with Roger Deakins. I mean, I, obviously that's like a very obvious uh, answer. I think just because of just, I mean, he, he, it's like gold. He like produces gold, cinematic gold. And I just love to see the process that he takes to make it all happen and how he is on set. Um, I think he'd be a really interesting person to just get to know and just the stories he'd have. I always love yeah. the, the war stories that they have. Oh, it's amazing. Like yeah. that 19, like, oh, it's just uh, the pinnacle of cinematography. I, yeah, it's just, 
I love. I, have you visited his website? We're just getting sidetracked again, but <laughs> his website. He has all these lighting plans and that that you can subscribe to. Oh, and I it's haven't. just magical. Like the the stuff you you find on there, and the the you can sort of see how he does it, but it's nowhere near what I reckon a set experience would be like. But yeah, yeah, it's just one. Yeah, it's one of those things we go. Okay, so how much talk did you have with like the director about the certain yeah. shots? Like, how much? Like, what percentage was it your idea or his idea? Or like, why did you go with this certain angle and just seeing what they yeah, read? Yeah, production. Yeah, I want to know all that stuff. <laughs> Alrighty, I better let you go, Rachel. But thank you very much for coming onto the show and having a chat with me today. All good. It was my pleasure. See ya. See ya.